Welcome to Keep Off the Borderlands. My name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall. I'm just going to be responding to some messages from Dave Aldridge in this one uh, because I've got quite a few call-ins about alignment, which I'm going to address in the next episode. I thought I'd put this out on its own because, well, it seems a lot of people don't want to listen to talk about gaming theory and I do wander off down a bit of a rabbit hole. So feel free to skip this one if it's not going to appeal to you. There'll be another episode along very soon. Ah, uh, you've got to play this. Ron Edwards, you see, is an academic. He's a scientist. Um... I believe in his own field is very highly regarded, but he doesn't write academically about RPGs, by which I mean he doesn't write academic papers, publish them, publish them in academic journals, which is part of his day job uh, as a scientist. Um, actually, I don't, know what, I don't know what he does now, but certainly at the time he was um, writing Sorcerer, doing a lot of the stuff in the Forge, um, he was an academic scientist. But yeah, in terms of academic literature, there's a little bit, increasing amount, about RPGs, uh, but there's not really very much. Uh, and the vast majority of uh, game theory, game design theory, is all about um, board games a bit, but it's all about video games. And yeah, what my, my, my point was that all of the technical terminology, even to a certain extent what Ron Edwards uses, but definitely Chris McDowell uh, and others that... that that, that writes some of the funkiest stuff is all appropriated from video game design. Yeah, by all means, ignore my slyer sides about whether Chris McDowell cites. Um, I think the point is that I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be giving him credit for inventing a lot of these distinctions where he is just appropriating technical terminology, um, which has that history in video games. Um, but he's even acknowledging that he's being influenced by video games. And I think I think that's interesting. I think my point would be, you know, what would... We have got this well-developed discussion about video games and what would our technical discussion of RPGs look like if we, if we weren't coming to them via that well-developed literature of video games? Because in a lot of ways, they're not, they're not like video games, of course. Um, and in fact, uh, that direction of travel is not, the, is not the way it worked with the games, is it? You know, we're coming to theorise about RPGs, drawing on um, uh, the literature of video games. 
But actually in gaming, it worked the other way, didn't it? You wouldn't have your video RPGs, um, your video game RPGs, if you hadn't had Dungeons and Dragons. So it worked the other way in gaming. But in our theorization, I mean, people just weren't particularly interested in writing academically about Dungeons and Dragons. But now there's a great, huge industry writing about video games. And the RPG stuff is catching up, but it's catching up um, by appropriating a lot of that stuff that, that originated with uh, video games. And of course, a lot of it didn't even originate with video games. I mean, when, when academics are writing about video games, they're often, depending on where they stand on the whole supposed divide between ludology and narratology, um, if they identify themselves with the narratology side of things, they're probably appropriating most of their technical terminology from literary studies, of course. Maybe none of this is worth listening to or playing. Um, so maybe I'll just try and distill it down into just one point, <laughs> which is why I even bother mentioning it in the first place, is that maybe RPG theory and discussion would look different if, um, if it hadn't been so heavily influenced by the theory of video game design. I think that's, if I have an important point, I think that's the important point, um, that maybe RPGs would be theorised quite differently um, if, if they could be looked at um, for the activities that they actually are, rather than in the terms of that sort of pre-existing um, literature which is, which is already out there. And no, I haven't come full circle, I haven't contradicted myself, because I'm not saying that they shouldn't be looked at in an academic and highly theorised way. I think there is that value. I think there is a place. <laughs> there is a place to think uh, academically about RPGs. Other places you could look, I've already mentioned that the video game designers have already got hold of literary studies, but you could think a bit more about what, you know, what kind of an event the role-playing game is, well, it's some kind of dialogue. So you could look at the theorization of, of dialogue, for example. You could look at the ways that role-playing is a kind of a to-and-fro um, to-and-fro conversation, where I think you'd, you'd have to go somewhere else because uh, video games um, don't really have that element. Even, even your text-based games, um, you know, they only have the appearance of a conversation. They are not that kind of to and fro tentative interaction between people. Uh, so that's one place that RPG theory could be looking rather than video games. Dave Aldridge there from Deeper Centile and I think Dave is <laughs> suffering from a bit of Deeper Centile withdrawal there with all those messages. But I hope you don't mind me playing them all Dave because I think there was something there in each of them that I could get my teeth into. Firstly, thank you for um, elaborating on Ron Edwards and how he is an academic, although not really publishing anything regarding game studies academically. So thanks for clearing that up. It was quite interesting, a little look into both ludology and narratology. And uh, from the crude understanding I got there, what was immediately interesting was the apparent divide in those fields of study and how it echoes the split between people considering story games to be something other than RPGs and, you know, how there were people 
that felt that these were two very different things, how some people considered them to be in opposition to each other, some considered them to overlap, some people considered them to be much more different aspects of the same thing. That was all very, very interesting. I do find myself to consider things like ludology and narratology, at least on the surface, appear to be complementary and looking at different aspects of the same activity in a lot of ways. But you're right, I did feel there was something, there is something missing there. And this kind of uh, got me thinking again about Safer Fantasy Crafting's episode, you know, the Frankenstein that is RPG. It is a mishmash of these different things. And that what is missing there, as you rightly point out, is the dialogue. Because when I personally, one of the first things brought to my mind as activities that kind of maybe echoed RPGs was the practice in counselling of group supervision. Certainly in the UK, you are advised that you should be working with a supervisor. And that relationship is essentially... The supervisor is a supportive role with the counsellor and uh, uh, you discuss certain aspects of cases that you may be struggling with without going into any detail. Certainly nothing that could be used to identify a client which would break the client confidentiality agreement. Already I've gone further into that than I was intending to. So I'm only trying to explain that because... What's also helpful is group supervision. So counsellors get together in a small group and one person within that group will take on the role of the facilitator. They will kind of oversee the proceedings, ensure everybody present. You know, you will all agree on uh, how long this supervision session will take, how long Each person will speak about what they wish to bring to that session, how much time is spent reflecting on what they bring, so that everybody gets an opportunity to explore what they're talking about. So essentially the facilitator would generally be the person who feels they have the least to bring to that session in terms of what they feel they need to share. And all that content has to be kept confidential um, because you're talking about very sensitive things uh, that might be upsetting to you or others in the group so you have to be mindful of that and the person in the facilitating role is an impartial not adjudicator but sort of overseeing the needs of all those present and obviously thinking about dialogue in that way I say obviously Obviously, it's not obvious to somebody not of that background, but there's a philosopher called Martin Buber who initially sprung to mind for me while Dave was talking there, who I suppose would be considered an existential philosopher, although existentialists are like trip-hop artists. They don't accept that label. They don't like being pigeonholed. But Martin Buber 
was very interested in meaning through dialogue. And he published a book called I and Thou, which is very much about that. And, and that's interesting because it brings us back to the subject of engagement. Essentially, the relationship between people, well, there, there are two types of relationship, I and thou and I and it. I and thou is very much about a sense of engagement between people, being present in a conversation and connecting with somebody, ideally creating deep connections and something kind of transcendental almost. And these are kind of characterized as creative relationships as well, creating this sort of relational depth that I think it's certainly, I think it's something that people often cite as missing from online play, you know, as opposed to all sitting around a table and being present with one another, that playing online somehow disrupts that level of engagement. In some ways, I, I can certainly see why that's the case. However, as somebody having a supervisor and somebody that also struggles with mobility, the ability for me to have online counselling was great. And I got a lot out of being able to do that. I say online counselling, I mean online supervision. And I do think that it is possible to still create a deep connection through such means. And I guess it's easier to understand the I-thou relationship when you consider what the opposite of that is, the I-it relationship, which is uh, characterised by being more egotistical, objectification of the other person, perhaps maybe not really listening to what they're saying, waiting for a gap where you yourself can talk, um, being more self-conscious, consider how you would react to somebody cold calling, whether on the phone or knocking at the door, they're just trying to sell you something and you may not treat them as a person in their own right. Also, it made me think of like when you see pickup artists approaching random people, kind of emulating engagement by picking up key points of what the person's saying, using key phrases, using tricks in order to create the illusion of connection. Essentially interacting with somebody based on what you can get out of them for yourself. An exploitative relationship, if you like. So that's the opposite of the deep connection of the I-thou relationship. Martin Buber himself was Jewish and in that deep kind of transcendental relationship you are included, you know, it has a spiritual element. God is in there. The I-thou relationship that one would have with God. As Jim Morrison said, you cannot petition the Lord with prayer. When you're praying, you're not begging for stuff. You are seeking to connect 
with something higher. Uh, wow, that went off at a weird tangent. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I, to get back to what I was uh, initially thinking about, it does seem to be that third thing that seems appropriate when looking at RPGs. So you've got the the ludology, the narratology, and also the dialogy. Or dialogical, I guess, or would that be dialogical? Dave, help me. But um, all very interesting stuff for me. Again, I may be boring the pants off of everyone, but um, certainly sent me down an interesting rabbit hole there. So, yeah, thanks for that, Dave. Really appreciate those messages. Well, that's about enough from me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off The Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.